I'm watching it for the first time and I'm, I'm starting to cry, right? And I know that I can't, I, I was, my, my, my intuition was to wipe my eye with this arm, but I knew that if I wipe my eye with this arm, she would notice it. So I was like trying to like turn my head like this so I could <laughs> wipe my eye. <laughs> in the documentary, The Mask You Live In, I'm trying oh, to pretend man. like I'm not feeling it so I don't want her to know. So I'm like trying to, trying to like, can I get my eye wiped off? That's, Dude, that's I, 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 first time I went to go see uh, <laughs> Titanic in the movie theater, it made me cry. And I forgot who I was with, but whoever I was with, I kind of like leaned back a little bit like this so they wouldn't see me. And I was just like, <laughs> like, no, Leo, come on, you can't die, Leo. Come on, Leo. Come on, Leo. Get up on that. Get up on that rap. But yeah, but now, oh, oh now, like, I let him, I let him flow for anything, oh. even a sappy commercial on TV. <laughs> Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Christian Lopez, former professional baseball player, uh, actor. Uh, he has, in this conversation, gone to a place that a lot of us are only asking ourselves, can we talk about these things? Going from purpose, finding out what do you do after your career has ended and the thing that you felt like you were trained and supposed to do. What do you do after you go to the second thing that you feel you're supposed to do and then that doesn't work out? I think what ends up happening in this conversation is that we both get a chance to reflect on how our purpose has called us. How the things that we get to do on a daily basis for work are parts of ourselves that are deeply rooted in who we have become. I'm really excited to be able to have this conversation with Christian. Uh, he had me on his podcast before our podcast even started. So he gave me a lot of tips and things to think about as I was beginning to start this work. And I'm really thankful for this opportunity to have this conversation with him. As you think about your own purpose and you think about where you are in your life today, maybe you have questions about Am I at the right place? Is this where I want to be? What am, Do I feel totally affirmed in this work? Or do I feel some worry? Some... And as you hear him describe his mask, you see his mask also gives me permission to go a little bit deeper on mine as well. Most of you know that this work in Ever Forward uh, was something that I felt called me. And I've answered the call of this work and what I get to do every day is get up fired up for work. I get up passionate for being able to not only connect with other people, connect with men in this con in these conversations, but connect with young men to find ways of helping them before life hits them so hard that they don't know how to navigate the emotions in a healthy way. I believe that we can all learn something about navigating emotions in a healthy way. Some of those lessons are gonna be easy to learn. Some of those lessons are a little harder to learn. But in this conversation, Christian Lopez talks about the lessons are going to come. And the question is, you may not be ready for them when they arrive, but um, at some point you have to navigate them. And so I'm so excited to um, 
welcome you to the show. If you have not yet made a mask, I invite you to do that. If you know someone who is navigating in between careers, the thing they thought they were supposed to do in the world and the thing that they maybe want to do, they're in between those two or they're still trying to figure it out, share this with them. Hopefully this conversation inspires you and I hope that you continue to be a part of this movement of providing men and young men a space to take off our masks, have healthy conversations about emotions, well-being, and our future. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. We look forward to seeing you soon. Ever forward. Just glad to just talk to you. That's it. I don't care if we're recording this. I don't care who's listening. Just, just getting to talk to you is, is, is awesome. Man, you too, man. I think you actually had your, I mean, I was on your show before I started this one. And I was like, mm-hmm. I've been planning on doing it. And you said, well, when you do reach out. And so finally the, the systems yep. are kind of coming together. And so uh, mm-hmm. we're so mm-hmm. excited. You're about to, you're getting close to our one year anniversaries, our countdown to one year. So uh, thank you for being here. Awesome. How, what we want to do is um, we let our, our guests like introduce themselves. Like what, tell folks about you okay. so that they can get to know you. And then um, we'll jump in. Cool, man. Absolutely. So, yeah, just I'll, I'll make it brief and then we can get into juicy stuff later throughout the show. But, yeah, pretty much my story, I'll start off in, well, I'll go back. You know, uh, Cuban kid, Cuban parents, Cuban immigrants, uh, first generation American, born in Miami, Florida, grew up there, raised there, um, played baseball from a very young age, went on to play professional baseball for 10 years of my life right out of high school. I got drafted. Played pro ball for 10 years, best job I ever had, dream come true. Never made it to the pinnacle to like the big leagues and an all-star and a World Series and a Hall of Fame and all that stuff. Always played my career in the minor leagues. So so when I retired, you know, I was kind of left with like, man, like I, I for me, even though I played professional baseball for 10 years, like there's so many, so many kids out there who would like wish to have gotten to be in my shoes for one day. And I totally realized that I'm a hundred percent, thousand percent grateful for that opportunity. But when you're in the midst of it, when you're doing anything, you want to do it really well. You want to do it to the best of, uh, of your abilities. You want to reach that pinnacle of success. And especially for us men, which I'm sure we'll get into here, so much of our self-worth is derived from our success, You know, from that outward, that outside success, how much money you make, how famous you are, the women that you date, the car that you drive, the house that you have, all that stuff. So when I, when I didn't reach that pinnacle for myself, I felt, I felt like a failure. I felt like a loser. And then that, that, that was it. That was my dream. You know, since I was a kid, people would ask me, what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to be a professional baseball player. I want to be a big leader. There was a brief po- moment in my life there where my mom, cause I was a good student too, where my mom was like, Hey, you're a good student. You're smart. Uh, why don't you go be a doctor too? And I was just like, Hmm, hit home runs during the season. Then in the off season, I could save people's lives. That's awesome. Heck yeah, I can do that. And then I found out how much schooling you need to become a doctor. And I was just like, sorry, mom, I love you, but I'm going to go play baseball. So I was just like, no, no doctor for me. No, I'm, I'm going to go play baseball. That's what I want to do. So did that, did it for 10 years, but again, didn't reach that pinnacle. So when I retired, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know who I was. I, I was lost. I was scared. I didn't have the benefit of starting my, you know, you know, starting a degree by going to school, even if it was for one, two, two years, you know, I skipped college. I went straight from high school to professional baseball. So I didn't have a degree. Not that I couldn't go back and get it, but at that point, 
going to school was the last thing on my mind. I was just so, my ego was in such a low spot that I was just like, I wanted to be rich and famous playing baseball. That was success for me. And I never reached it. I need, I need to do something else where I can reach it. So I thought for a brief moment, I was like, hmm, what can I do that's going to make me rich and famous? I'll move to LA. I'll go be an actor. Packed up all my things in my car, drove cross country, moved out to LA back in June of 2013. So over eight years ago now. Wow. And embarked on, you know, an acting career that lasted two, two and a half years, maybe. You know, and I was all about it. I was gung ho. I was like, this is it. This is my new identity. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous. <laughs> and it was cool for the first couple of years because I had that motivation from baseball. I was like, I felt like I was wronged, you know, I, because when my baseball career came to an end, I didn't look in the mirror and say, hey, what could you have done better? How could you have worked a little bit harder, done or done something or adapted or done something a little bit different? How could yeah. you have been a better listener? No, instead of doing that, I said, no, it's my coach's fault. He doesn't like me. It's the team's fault. They don't like me. It's this person's fault. It's that person's fault. If it wasn't for them, I'd be where I'm supposed to be. And I, I took zero accountability, zero responsibility. So I was motivated from from that feeling like I was burned, like they burnt me, like they, they, they screwed me. I went from that feeling, that gave me the motivation to go out to LA, try to become an actor and be like, I'm going to be the most famous, richest actor in the world and I'm going to show them. I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be on billboards. I'm going to be in magazines. I'm going to show them what's up. You know, I even had visions of like sending girls who had turned me down. You know, I had visions. I had, this is this is where my mind went. I had visions of being on a GQ magazine <laughs> and like getting a copy, autographing it and saying something snarky like this is what you missed out on. This is what you could add mm. and sending it to some girl who had scorned me. Like that's that's where my mind was at because I was so hurt. I was yeah. so crushed that I was looking for that validation from the outside. So, so again, that lasted a couple of years till I got to the point where I was like, this isn't it. This isn't for me. Uh, I, I'm not really passionate about this. I was passionate about baseball, passionate about sports. Some people have been acting since they were, you know, the same time that I started playing baseball, which is five years old, yeah. six years old. They're passionate about this. They've been in hundreds of plays and then they've done this and they've been going to acting class. Like I just came out here because my ego was crushed and I wanted to, I wanted somebody to validate me. I wanted the world to validate me. So that that was enough to sustain me in the beginning. Yeah. But it wasn't enough to sustain me throughout all the rejections at the auditions, all the late night acting classes, all the, you know, no's, all the rejection, all of that. It wasn't enough to sustain me through all that. So eventually I got to a point where I was just, this isn't it. This, this isn't yeah. what I want to do. Came home one night after acting, uh, after acting class. And I was just out of it, you know, out of it. And, and at that time, we weren't married yet, but my girlfriend who ended up becoming my wife, you know, I got home and I was kind of down and out and sad and mopey. And she was just like, hey, babe, what's going on? It's like nothing. No, you know, just being a typical man. I, I don't want to talk about my feelings. I don't want to talk mm. about my emotions. I'm fine. I'm good. Everything's good. And then she was just insistent, insistent. And then finally, I just broke down and started crying. And mm. I, I, I don't remember what I said exactly. But it was along the lines of like, I'm scared, I'm lost, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what I'm good at. I don't know what to get. I don't know. I just I was just completely, utterly lost and helpless. And especially as a man, especially as a man, you're taught to be tough and to be resilient and to not ask for help. And in that moment, I felt not only did I feel helpless, but I felt even more helpless because, hey, I'm a man and I'm asking my girlfriend for help. What, what kind of a man am I? So the, those were some of the thoughts that were going on through my mind. So finally, you know, she was there, she, she comforted me, she supported me. 
but then when I quit acting, I was back to square one. It's like, what now? Like, I'm not a baseball player. I'm not an actor. What now? So then I forgot how I found out about it. I think I just maybe saw an advertisement or something one day, but I thought to myself, Oh, what about a firefighter? I could be a fire. I think I'd be really good at that. I'm athletic. I'm well built. I'm strong. I could carry people out of buildings. I can, I can be a hero. So I started looking into that and talked to a couple of five fire firefighters, went into a couple of stations like, Hey, how do I, how do I do this? How to apply? Give me some pointers, give me some tips. And then I was just like, all right, this is it. This is my new, this is my new career. You know, this is my new, not just my new career, my new identity, because still I felt like my identity was kind of like floating around. Like I was so tied to baseball that when baseball was gone, it was kind of like floating out. Like, who am I? Because I still, still wanted to describe myself, not just by who I am, but by what I do, by my job, you know, that's how I wanted to, to define myself. So I wanted, I was looking to cling to something. So I found firefighting and I looked into it and I was like, man, there's so many aspects of this, you know, the camaraderie, the brotherhood the chance to be a hero in the community. Um, it's a good, it's a good job. Obviously it comes with its dangers, but good job, good pay, good pension, retirement, all that good stuff. So for me, it was, it was that sense of sense of stability because for me, baseball was always that sense of stability. I didn't make a lot of money doing it, but I knew every season come March, come April, I knew I was going back to baseball season. And then in September, October, when the season came to an end, it's going back home and I'd figure it out. I'd find a little off season job or something. And that was kind of like that cycle, but I always knew baseball was going to be there. Yeah. So once that was gone, I was just like, there was no stability. It's like I was skating, you know, on ice where I was like trying to find a firm footing and I just couldn't find it. I thought I was going to be acting. That wasn't it. Yeah. I thought I was going to be firefighting, committed two and a half years of just hard work, you know, testing, taking college fire science courses, uh, interviewing, doing everything that I needed to do to get myself ready. And then in March of 2019, I got a letter from the LAFD, which is one of the departments that I applied for. And I thought it was the letter saying, Hey, congratulations. Welcome aboard. You're going to start your fire Academy on this day. Just make sure you're ready. And I was just like, this is it, babe. This is it. Like, this is my, I'm going to put in 30 years in a fire department and make good money. And then when, once we hit 60, whatever, we can retire and we can just chill and we can live our lives and we can travel and we can enjoy our time together, do whatever it is that we want to do. But it ended up being a rejection letter. It was just Mm -hmm. like, Hey, appreciate you appreciate you applying but you know we've decided to go in another direction best of luck in your future endeavors and again just crushed just broken ego shot two and a half years of hard work down the drain i was just like shoot what now like what now now i'm, I'm not a baseball player anymore i'm not a actor anymore yeah thought i was gonna be a firefighter that's not i'm not a firefighter anymore so again i was crushed i was lost but around that time where I had gotten rejected, I had already started to do a little bit of work on myself. I started because I was just in a, in a, in a place where it's probably around the time where I first watched The Mass You Live In, where I came across you, where I came across so many of this other awesome work right around that time. You know, I started making some changes. I had had a, a really deep conversation with a really good friend of mine, which we all need other men in our lives, you know, yeah. just, just a little sidebar. We all need men in our lives yeah. that we can have those intimate, open, emotional, vulnerable conversations with. And he was one of those men in my life. So we met up and we talked for like three hours and, you know, he was just very supportive. I cried a couple times, but, you know, just had one of those really open, frank, honest, candid conversations that we usually had. And after that conversation, I just, I just told myself, I was like, I'm, I'm tired of feeling like crap about myself. Um, I need to make some changes. So the very next day I started, you know, meditating, 
getting into yoga, journaling, uh, just, just doing things to better myself, you know, just cause I was for so long, I was just waiting for somebody to just pick me up out of that hole instead of putting in the work, doing something, taking accountability, accepting where I'm at in my life right now, instead of waiting for something to just happen. So I, so I took that initiative, started doing some work and that's, what's pretty much led me to kind of where I'm at right now. And, you know, I started doing some blog posts to where I started opening up about some of the feelings and some of the emotions I'd been going through that led to the podcast, you know, that's led to like starting a little Facebook group where I have, you know, I encourage men to like open up, share that led me to being a part of every man and that community and being part of a men's group. And, you know, just so much of the stuff that I'm doing now, not specifically for my work, but just on the side of work, just because I really enjoy doing it. Like we were just talking about this before we hopped on, like yeah. now with this new job that I just started in November, I've had a lot less time to work on the podcast, but I'm just trying to find time wherever I can to record episodes because I really care about it. I'm not making money off of it. I'm not getting paid to do it or anything like yeah. that. I just yeah. love spreading that message because there's so many men out there that need to hear it, including myself. Yeah. You know, including, I'm sure a lot of men that are listening to this right now. And then on top of that, the feedback that I get from that makes, makes me feel like I have a purpose, makes me feel like I'm doing something in the world, even though it's not baseball, which I thought was my purpose for a long time. This, this kind of work gives me a sense of purpose because I don't do it for the feedback, but I'd be lying if I said, when a man reached out to me and said, Hey, thank you for saying that. Thank you for sure. That last episode that you posted, I'd be lying if I said it didn't make me feel good. I'd be lying you know, but it makes me feel really good. So, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. I know I said it was going to be short, but once I get into it, the details just kind of just come with it. Oh man. Well, that's perfect. You know, I actually, I appreciate it. And I think, you know, sometimes when I always give the guests, I say, please introduce yourself. And sometimes they, they do what needs to happen. And what you yeah. did was a beautiful journey. I think, I think you almost actually started around the mask itself, right? Because mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. if, if I was going to introduce you, I would say, you know, former pro baseball player, and I would say Christian Lopez, right? Like that, that, that short, brief introduction is so limiting mm -hmm. to our stories, right? Mm -hmm. It's limiting to our stories, it's limiting to our experiences, it's limiting to our, our how far we've come in the journey, right? Yeah. Um, and so I wanna appreciate you. So thank you for doing yeah, that. And I think uh, I, I appreciate it. I learned some things that I didn't know, so that's really, really helpful. And I think that the idea is journey for purpose, right? Yeah. And we're going to, when we talk about these masks, it's kind of like, it's how we see, how we want the world to see us, the exactly. things we let people see. And then all the stuff that happens back there behind the mask that we don't normally talk about, we don't normally um, share, we don't normally mm -hmm. reveal. Sometime until it, it's too late or sometime until it hits the breaking point or sometime yeah. it, exp it explodes out in a moment of like, emotional weakness like we like mm -hmm. and it comes out as anger but actually deep down it's exactly. not it, it's not really anger it's actually mm -hmm. sadness fear other emotions that we've we've um masked with with anger because totally where i live in oakland california anger will get you some respect right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sadness don't get you no respect fear, yeah. don't, fear don't get you no respect right uh I, I think and as i've learned as i got more wise and even just maybe as this transition of our awareness is happening. I think more people are like, man, thank you. For, when they say thank you for sharing that, it's almost yeah. like it, it begins to give other people permission to say, for sure. oh, wow, man. For sure. And we know it. We, we, we may not ever say it out loud. Or say we. I know it. When I hear a man is willing to be open and honest about his feelings, mm -hmm. I am, I'm connected to that in a deep way. Yeah. Even if I'm still sometimes afraid to I'm like, man, I wish I could say that. 
I wish I could say that. And I think I admired a lot of the men in who were doing professional speaking, motivational work, like telling their personal stories. I was always admiring them more than the fact that they could talk on stage, but more that they talked about their personal struggles and told how they got through it, that it didn't stop me. It, it was a moment it happened. And then I, here's how I broke free from it as opposed to like, Oh, it happened and I'm broken. (laughs) It's like, no, it's like, yes, I went through this. I went through this. I went through this. And then, and then, and then, and now, and it's that story's like structure that you hear them be like, oh man. And that's the beautiful part, you know? For sure. And I think on top of that too, for me, what's, what's compelling about listening to people like that speak and share their stories is yes, that, that moment of triumph where you're like, man, this person was in such a deep, dark hole and they fought and they clawed and they got their way out and look at where they're at now. Like that's, of course, that's hugely compelling, but for me, what makes it even even more gripping and compelling and makes me really listen in is when you hear people like, especially when you hear somebody who's like, you know, super, it looks like he's doing really well or she's doing really well and they're super rich and they're super famous and they're successful, you know, from the outside. When you hear them talk about some of the stuff that they've struggled with, mm-hmm. it makes me feel like, damn, I'm not alone. Yeah. Like that's for me, that's the, I think that's the biggest thing because when you're going through that stuff, especially for us men, because for us men, it's not, it's not, it's not cool. It's not cool for us to talk about these things. Like we, we have to hide this stuff. We have to suppress it. We have to just put it in a deep, dark corner because if we share it, then, then we're not manly. Then we're less than manly. Then we're feminine. Then we're gay. Then we're this, then we're that, then we're weak amongst these other words that we get labeled and called when we talk about emotions and feelings, especially some of those more softer you know, lesser emotions. Mm-hmm. So when I hear somebody talk about it, you know, it gives me like you were just talking about, it gives me the, 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 the assurance that like, Oh man, I thought, I thought I was the only one that felt this stuff. Like this person looked like they were, it sounded like they were talking directly to me because I know exactly what, how that feels. I know exactly what he or she is talking about. Yeah. And when, when I, that's what, that's what I love about this stuff. And that's what, that's why I love speaking about it. That's why I love doing the podcast. That's why I love doing things like this is not because I want to get up here and share my story. No, it's because knowing that there's at least one person out there who might be listening to this and might be listening to me share my story. That's right. And just one person, just one person might hear this and be like, damn, this dude like was a professional athlete. Like what, what does he have to be insecure and shame and ashamed about? Like, look, like, look at him. He's tall. He's well-built. He's a good athlete. Like what, what, what does he have to complain about? And it's not that I'm complaining. It's just that I'm being honest about like, Hey, I struggle with this too. Just because from the outside, I might look a certain way. It doesn't mean on the inside, I'm not, I'm not fighting my own battles and my own demons. Mm. And that's what's, that's what I love about this work. Because I think the reason why there's so many men who hide behind the mask or struggling with that sadness, when that loneliness, with that depression, with the suicide rates, I think a big reason for that is because we've made it, we've made it taboo for men to talk about these things. And I want to break that. I want to break that taboo. I want to make it normal for us yeah. to talk about these things yeah. because yeah. Because it isn't normal. That's why so many men are still hiding behind those masks. And it's just it's just causing us so much damn harm. Man. Well, you you didn't say it. And I think that that leads us right to this next piece. I think the piece that we probably are ready to do, and you've, we've already started it, is mm-hmm. the mask. Mm-hmm. So so what we're gonna do is we're gonna um, we're gonna share our masks. And for those who don't know, like this is a movement that we created. And when Christian talked about the documentary The Mask You Live In was the first time we had done this activity 
Um, and it was a representation of like what we let the world see. Here's the mask I wear. Here's what I gladly let the world see. This is what the front of the mask is. The back of the mask are the things that we don't normally talk about. And if you want to make your mask, you can do that at 100kmasks.com. You can do it digitally. Today, Christian and I are going to do it live, like with you. So you're going to get to see us share our masks. And when you make yours, you don't have to share yours. You can just make it on the website and then just put it there. But you can also recognize that you're going to see other masks that you probably recognize what Christian said is you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You're not the only one going through what you may think that you're the only one going through. Um, and I, I imagine as we, as we get more, as our site gets more polished, that we're going to create a way for you to be able to see people who have masks that are exactly like yours, mm -hmm. right? Or that are like 98%, 99%, 75% the same. You, you're going to be amazed. And so, uh, Christian, I'm thank you for being willing to share your mask with us. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So you and I get to go and you get to decide who goes first because you know, you're the guest. And so the guest. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go, I'll go first. I'll okay. Go so, first. so you share because the front I, and then I'll share the front. Okay. You, yeah. I'll go first because I'm sure this is a lot of things that a lot of people struggle with too, is, you know, when you're in an environment and this is something that I started to break out of when I did Toastmasters for a couple of years was, you know, that, you know, when you're in class and like the teacher's like, all right, who, who, who wants to volunteer or who knows the answer to this one? Like, everybody's just like, I don't want to say it. I don't want to, I don't want to be wrong. Like somebody else go first. If you're wrong, then I'll go, maybe I'll go afterwards and try to be the hero. But something that I started to break out of is like, no, I want to go first. I want to put myself in that uncomfortable situation. Not that I want to fail. Like, of course, mm. nobody wants to fail, but I want to mm. break out of that fear. So, so that's why I'm volunteering to go first to put myself, okay. put myself out there. All right. So I'll share mine. So, so funny enough. The oh, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Christian, hold, hold tight. Uh, fold it in half for me. Fold it in half. Oh, shoot. I'm sorry. No, I'm no sorry. you're okay. You're okay. We, we, we want to get, we want to, we want to break That's people right. into the, surprise. no. Right. There we go. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So funny enough, this little flexing arm right here, I'm not, I'm not very skilled when it comes to art. So for this flexing arm, I actually took a selfie of me flexing and then I looked at it and I was just like. All right. All right. That looks about right. <laughs> so, so that, that's how I drew that arm there. All awesome. right. So, so for mine, as you, do you want to, you want me to explain it or you want to go ahead? Yeah, no, you, you, yeah. Okay. So for mine, I have a uh, confident, I have optimistic and I have kind. And then as you can see, my mask is super smiling, wide eyed, happy to be here, you know, flexing, showing that he's strong and that he's capable and that he's willing and all this stuff. And and yeah, that's the that's the outside part of me where I always showed to the world like, hey, I'm super confident in everything that I do. I'm super optimistic, like everything's great. You know, I'm always having a good day. Like, no, I'm never in a bad mood. I'm never I don't have anything to complain about. And then kind like I've always I've always I've always been kind. I've, I've always gone the extra mile to help people whenever they needed help or whatever it was. So so that's that's my outside outside of my mask. Awesome. Right on. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. I'll go now. I'll go next. All right. So let's see if I can get the right light and the right. Oh, are you a Ninja Turtle? <laughs> yeah, I look like a Ninja Turtle. This is, I think I, I was trying, this is a wrestler that I've been trying to remember how to draw his, uh, his, uh, I'll have to show it to you. It's like, <laughs> it's supposed to be some, it. supposed to be some luchador somewhere. Um, but Ninja Turtle maybe where it landed. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it was supposed to be a Ninja Turtle. Exactly. I'm so glad, yeah, you, so glad you figured it out. I'm so glad you figured it out. 
<laughs> I was like, Pictionary. Here we go. Um, oh, man. So I wrote a serious, hardworking, and caring. And um, I think um, when I think about like serious is like, I, I think it's intense, right? Like normally I, I use funny. I put funny there and I was, I don't know why I didn't write funny today. For some reason I maybe write funny too. Uh, but I think lately I've been just like really intense. Uh, um, and I'm really at heart, I'm really caring. And I think what I've tried to do is I've learned that in my leadership style, like I, I used to use funny as a way to like, let the serious be less intense. Mm-hmm. because like I have, I hold myself to really high expectations. Like I'm not perfect and I don't think I do a good job at everything, but no one can hold me to higher expectations that I hold myself to. Like mm-hmm. I beat myself up. If I'm late to a meeting, like no matter what that mm-hmm. person says is nowhere near what I've already said to myself. Yep. Right. As I'm knowing I'm late, trying not to be late, don't want to be late. Like, so I think that, I, what I've tried to do, I, the reason I took, I think I may have taken funny off a lot of times is because I've learned that even in the times where with my team and I'm trying to like deal with something serious, but I'm trying to keep it funny or trying to keep it so uh, lighthearted that I don't, that I'm not clear mm-hmm. that I end up being error on the side of, of being funny as opposed to being like, listen, this has to be fixed. This, yeah. this, this situation, this tap this blah 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 this has to be addressed right away and I, i've learned that i don't have to be i don't have to be frowny i don't have to be mm-hmm, grimace mm-hmm. face but i have to not get confused that i'm making jokes because when you're making jokes and it's, it's team people or you know your 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 organization or if it's clients oh they're like oh he's just gonna it's just it's just no big deal but hey this is our mm-hmm. we, we we have to make we're an organization we have to make money we have to pay people we have staff we have responsibilities, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I think I've been writing caring more than funny, even though I really like to be funny. I really, I think deep down, if I could be a comedian, mm-hmm. I, I would probably be a comedian. If I was gonna be an actor, it'll be on a, <laughs> it'll be a funny, a funny sitcom as opposed to sitcom like, or something. Yeah. <laughs> something, I think I act on, I think I act on purpose sometimes. Um, it's cause I want to, maybe it's a, it's a, maybe I'm going to be my second half of this, uh, this life. I'm going to be a, a actor in the second mm-hmm. half. Like Morgan Freeman, right? Start when I'm 40, 47. Mm-hmm. You're like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go. exactly, man. Yeah, I'm going to break through. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, hardworking. I mean, today was intense. Um, and so, yeah, and caring. I really do care about people. I care about, yeah, yeah I care about a lot of people. And um, sometimes I, I'm so like, uh, I, like, I sometimes have to be careful how caring I am because I can let it overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear you. Yeah. Super empathy. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah. I think it may come up when I talk about the back. It'll come up yeah. The back. So, yeah, I yeah. can relate to that. But yeah, another thing that I want to point out that I can really, really relate to, too, is the the joking, the funny part. Um, I think I use that because one of the things that I struggle with a lot, too, is, you know, really, really wanting to be liked, you know, really wanting to be liked, being a people pleaser wanting everybody to like me. If somebody doesn't like me, I'm like, why? Why why don't they like me? I'm such a nice guy. What did I do wrong? You know, and just this has held me back so much. So I think I use that, that sense of humor as well, because in my, in my current role, my right now at work, I'm a, I'm a trainer. So I have a classroom all day and I'm training them certain things about certain roles. So I I bring a lot of my personality and a lot of my humor to the class, but sometimes a class gets a little carried away and I have to kind of reel them back in like, all right, let's focus. And sometimes I find it really tough 
to to really be serious in that moment because I don't want to come off as like, oh man, he's so he's so mean. Like, well, let's be so why why does he got to be like that? Like, why can't he just be a little bit more? So I use humor to kind of like, oh, you guys, I guess you guys aren't going to pay attention today. Kind of kind of use that sarcastic humor instead of being like like you said, you don't have to be. You don't have to be frowny. You don't have to be mean. Just be like, hey, let's come on. Let's get let's get back to work. Let's get back to business. But that's something that I struggle with because I'm like, I don't want to be too harsh because I, I still want them to like me. Yeah, so that's something that I struggle with a lot, too. Well, you know, when I was a, when I was a first year teacher, um, my uh, the feedback I got from students was that you're, you're too nice. Like, you know, mm. because once I was starting off to be too nice then it's like hard to ring people back in. It's like, hey, yep, yep. and then everyone's like, oh, he ain't gonna do nothing. And then they keep going. Yeah. And then, you know, as yep. a teacher, I remember one day, uh, <laughs> this is a funny story, but um, long story short, uh, this girl in my class, you know, I, I started off being so nice and I was like, oh, da, da, da. and I told her, hey, I need you to stop talking. She's like, I ain't talking. And I'm like, no, you were just talking. And she's like, get out of my face, something. And I'm like, you know what? Go outside. Now, deep down, like I'm rough around the edges. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I was I was playing this role of trying to be so nice and kind. And uh -huh. I was letting people and and they were. They were taking advantage of me. And yeah, I was of course. I, and I when at that point I think I had gotten to the place where I was like putting my foot down mm -hmm. and, and as she was in shock. She was like, You kicking me out? I was like, I'm not kicking you out. I'm asking you to step outside so you can cool off. I don't need to cool off. I said, No, you do. You do. I need to cool off and you need to cool off. So, and then she went in the hallway and she started screaming, like, Ooh. like yelling. And I remember every other, you know, you know, how you see the movies where somebody, every people come out the door and like, what's going on? It was, it was ugly. Um, and I realized, Ooh. yeah, it was one of their moments of like, oh, okay, Shanti, you, once you, once you, once you, once you needed attention, you, you couldn't get it. And then now you have to have a battle and, um, uh, that was a, it was a lesson learned. It's like, okay, next year, next semester. I was going to say learning opportunity. Yeah, <laughs> learning opportunity. There it is. There Absolutely. it is. All right. Well, here we go. We're on the back now. You Take a deep breath. You want to take a deep breath? All right, breath? let's do it. Yeah, no, I can't. <sighs> but I've been talking about this so much that, like, it doesn't, it doesn't even bring me shame anymore. It doesn't right. bring me shame. Stuff I, stuff I still struggle with, for sure, but, like, I'm, I'm – more open to talk about it because I know there's, I know there's, like I said, there's other people out there struggling with it too. So mm -hmm. even though it might be tough to talk about, I know it might be, it might be doing some good. It might be doing some good. So, so I had confident, optimistic, kind on the front, you know, dude smiling, everything's good. Everything's all great. But on the back, he's dealing with fear, insecurity, and shame. Yeah. So that's what's on the back for mine. Fear, Fear of the future, you know, fear of um, fear of putting in the hard work and it not working out, kind of like my my baseball career turned out. Fear of people not liking me, uh, fear of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, fear of not being a man like society says I need to be. Insecurities around, you know, my looks, uh, my my intelligence, my ability you know, just my abilities in general, um, you know, am I good enough? That's something that I struggle with a lot too. Am I good enough to do this? You know, am I good enough to, to overcome this? Do I, do I deserve this? You know, that imposter, that, that imposter syndrome that a lot of us talk about, like, who am I to, to, 
who am I to even be on this podcast right now with Ashanti Branch? Like, who am I? Like, who am I? Like, who am I to have my own podcast and be talking about this stuff, you know? So insecurities like that and shame, shame, uh, uh, shame about being a 36 year old man and not really having a set career, you know, being a 36 year old man and not, you know, and not making as much money as my wife does, you know, being a 36 year old man and um, not having a college degree. You know, being a 36-year-old man and not having, you know, you know, a good, you know, savings, you know, money and savings or money set aside for retirement or investments or knowing about this or knowing about that. So a lot of, a lot of shame around, you know, not being, not being the type of man that that, that, that man box, you know, culture kind of says we're supposed to be. So, so yeah, a lot of shame around that too. Brother. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it resonates and, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to show you how, how well it resonates. So this is what I wrote. This is what I wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. so let's see, we got fear of, and I wrote these lines here because mm-hmm. recently, as you kind of described what you were saying, mm-hmm. like I have fear of so many things, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just fear of, you said just write fear of failure. And I realized, well, that's mm-hmm. kind of incomplete. That's not just fear of failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sadness, like sadness about mm-hmm. several things. And I wrote my brother's mental health right there because that's one that's really mm-hmm. present. Um, yeah. and, wow. it, and it actually it, it showed up last night. Oh, it showed up this morning around three o'clock, three thirty, wow. three forty. My brother showed up. Um, I have a lot of fear around my brother, you know, getting hurt out on the street, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, being hurt by police who don't know how to, who don't deal with people with mental health issues oftentimes yeah. really well, a lot of fear yeah. about for him. And, uh, and it's really present because at four o'clock he's at my door asking for a sandwich. And I'm like, yeah. dude, what do you, uh, why are you not at home? Why are you out walking around at 4 AM? And, um, yeah. you know, he's, he's, trying to mess with these substances and he thinks that he's on medicine for his mental health issues already. And he's taking other substances. And I'm like, and it's, it's, and it's tough because like, I, I'm not, I'm not afraid of my brother. So I wouldn't like letting him in the house is not like, I'm worried he's going to hurt me, but it's, it's just like, it's a lot of like, if I, the messages that you send, right? Like, and it's like, and I do it often. Most of that will let him in. I'll make him a sandwich. I mean, I'm exhausted. Like it's three thirty, it's four o'clock in the morning. I got to get up at six. Like, and I just I, I care a lot, and I think sometimes I'm like, listen, this is not okay. You can't just be showing up here this time of the morning because you. But he's in his head. He's run, you know, ruminating about whatever. Um, so I have a lot of fear, and and it goes into that. You know, like I yeah. at seven years old, I was the man of the house. I was supposed to be helping take care of my siblings. He's my first brother. I really love him, you know. Mm-hmm. He's he's thirty six, right? Mm-hmm. He's thirty seven. My brothers, we were talking. We were talking about it last night because he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he always asked for a birthday present again. Right? He's like, "You gonna give me some of my birthday?" I'm like, "Dude, your birthday's in January. Can you <laughs> can you hold on a little bit?" But wherever his head goes, that's where he start. He goes into the conversation, you know. Um, and then you know some of the things you wrote, you know, you spoke about just yeah. resonated, you know. And I think when I think about the back, sometimes. Um, it's that place of like, man, yeah, I feel that too. I feel the same, you know, some of the things you spoke about, I feel the same stuff, like mm-hmm. running this nonprofit. Like I, yeah. 
I, 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 I want, I'm like, oh, you know what? I probably should have a retirement plan set up. How do you do that? How do I set that up? How do I have yeah. the, re you know, like all these things that as an organization is in this next level of growth. And I'm really sometimes like, hmm, this was self-inflicted, Ashanti. Mm -hmm. You, <laughs> you chose, you chose this path, right? And I, and I, and I'm, and many times when people on the outside give me accolades, I just, I'm like, if they only knew. Oof. So somebody, somebody on a call earlier today, a man said, like, um, he, we had a, we had a call schedule. I was running late. I said, Hey, can we meet in like 10 minutes? And then I get on the call with him and I was telling him so much stuff going on. He was like, well, we can reschedule. And I was like, man, that'd be helpful. And he was like, uh, it says, you know, I didn't know that you were doing a lot of stuff yourself. Like, you know, like you got a, a great website, your social media is like, you're doing a lot of stuff. And he says, I said, yeah, sometimes like wizard of Oz, right? Like I'm just operating stuff behind the scenes, you know, there's behind only a, the curtain, we, have, yeah. we have a small few team here, but like a lot of it is just kind of like intestinal fortitude. Yeah. And, I, and I think I'm finally getting smart enough to know that that's not going to, it's not going to happen. Any, it's not going to last. Yeah. And so this next yeah. season is being smarter, not only like getting more help, getting people mm -hmm. smarter than me in here to help. Mm -hmm. um, and I get to be the visionary. And I think, I think I'm, I'm learning. I think I'm finally yeah. learning. Finally, you know, finally. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look, and look, that's, that's really tough for, again, that's really tough for us men to get to that point because as men, we're taught, like, we got to have all the answers. We got to figure it out. We got to do everything on our own. Like this whole like lone wolf mentality, like self-made. Nah, I'm self-made. I don't need anybody's help. I'm going to do this on my own. So when I get to the top, I can be like, Hey, I did this all by myself. And there's this so much mentality in that. The, I just recorded a podcast yesterday and the gentleman that I had on was talking about, you know, so many of the companies that are super successful or the, that are some, starting to become su successful are the ones that have leaders that aren't the type of leaders that say, no, I'm always right. I have all the answers. I'll do this on my own. No, but they're the leaders that say, hey, let's get some input. Let's, 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 let's cooperate. Let's work. Just because I'm the CEO or I'm the leader of this company doesn't mean, doesn't mean I can't take input. Doesn't mean I can't say, Hey, I'm wrong. I need a little bit of help. Yeah. Like you said, hiring people that are smarter than you, not necessarily smarter IQ wise, but smarter in like, Hey, they know how to set up that retirement plan or, Hey, they know how to work the, the social media marketing side of it, where you're good at connecting with people. You know, that's what you do really good. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's really important because I think for us men, we want to do everything because that's what we're taught. We're taught to admire these people like James Bond, you know, stuff, people <laughs> like that, that do, they do, they do everything. They don't need help from anybody. They, they do it all on their own. They figure it out. They blow stuff up. They do all this stuff, but we have to realize that that's, that's, that's not a real person. That's not a real dude. That's a character in a book, in a movie. Like yeah. some of these people that we aspire to, are, aren't that even the people that we that we idolize like when you really sit down and talk to them when they sit down and have a conversation with Brene Brown for her podcast or something like that and you really hear the stuff that they struggle with yeah you don't you don't see that on on Instagram you don't see that on Facebook or on TikTok you just see the the wealth and the success and all this stuff but like yeah. you don't see the other stuff that they go through you don't see the 20 30 years of hard work and failure and rejection that went into them finally getting over that hump and getting to that point. You don't, you don't see that. You don't, you, you don't see that. So I think that paints a picture, especially for us men of like, no, it should just be easy for us. Like we're, mm. we're men. We should just go to the top of the mountain. We work hard and we get there. No, it's not that easy. Yes. It takes hard work, but it takes, 
there's a lot more that goes into it than just, hey, one day I'm going to snap my fingers and one day I'm going to reach the top of that mountain. Some of, the, some of us don't even reach the top of that mountain. Some of us maybe make it halfway, maybe make it a quarter of the way, but that's fine. You know, yeah. there's not room for at the top of the mountain for everybody. But that, I think that's what I think that's what our culture does. Like our culture says, hey, if you work hard, you can have anything you want. And yes, work hard is working hard is important, but not everybody's going to be a billionaire CEO of a huge company. It's just not. Some of us mm-hmm. are going to be mid-level managers. Somebody, some of us are going to be, you know, janitors, and that's fine. It doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. People need to fill fill those roles and those jobs too, you know, yeah. and, and that's fine. And that's totally fine. But it's, I think, it just takes, like you said, a lot of that intestinal fortitude and a lot of just being being okay, being okay with who you are, not judging yourself based on the job or the title that you have but more on the type of person that you are because there's so many ceos who are probably who are probably huge a-holes huge Mm. a-holes and there's probably janitors who work at that huge company who are the nicest human beings on the planet yeah doesn't doesn't matter how much money you make or how what your title your role is you know it's who you are it's who you are how you treat other people you know one thing you said that was really interesting um when you talked about um when I, when, I, when I mentioned people smarter than me, I think one comment you, I think I heard you just say is not necessarily IQ wise, but maybe like other, other skills. And, I, and I'm actually, I'm actually going all the way out. I'm actually saying, I want there to be people on this team who are smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think what I learned from a lot of reading and books and entrepreneurs is that, you know, and most people who know the story of Steve Jobs, right. But mm-hmm. like, Wozniak was the was the tech guy. Mm-hmm. Like Steve had his other skills, right? Mm-hmm. But if you talk about if you set them down to code something, you Steve would maybe struggling, you know? Yep, yep. And I think what I started to learn, and I'm and you know, there's plenty of examples out there. I just use that one because it's it's the one that's most fresh right now. I think I've just started to decide that I think oftentimes in a nonprofit world, it's like how do you hire those people, right? I think I've never I never thought that I needed to be the smartest person here. I just know that I have a vision. And I want people who are fired up about this vision. And I, I think, I mean, I think about that. I mean, I was like, hmm, what, what do I mean by that? And I actually, I really want people who stretch me. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's exhausting feeling like I got to pull every, that's a weird way to say it. I mean, I'm going to say it because it's, it's what's coming mm-hmm. out. But I, I, I want to have people who pull me. Mm-hmm. Right, like not for vision wise, but like, hey, mm-hmm. Ashanti, hey, here's some areas that we need to we need to grow and stretch. Right, how do yeah. you grow? I think stretch, yeah, stretch yeah, is better yeah. Way, I think, yeah. How, how do you grow and how do you stretch yourself to grow more, mm-hmm. to learn more? Well, you need people who are like pushing you in ways that you've not been pushed and stretched. And like, okay, mm-hmm. like I don't need anybody to get me up in the morning. I, I get up fired up every morning. I don't need anybody to tell me to show up. I show up every morning, right? But I think like. Have helped to stretch my thinking. Like, what if we try something different? What if we do it another way? Yeah. What if we, and I, and I think those are the things. And I think um, yeah. when you said, you said something about like not room for everyone at the top. I, there's a quote by Jim, uh, who, who says it? No, uh, Les Brown. He said, um, strive to get on top mm-hmm. in life because it's the bottom that's overcrowded. And I think there's a lot of room mm-hmm. for us to like, it's a lot more people to not be stuck at the bottom. I think there may not room for everyone. a lot of people at the top top, but how about we just not all be at the bottom taking yeah. like, like crabs in a bucket, right? Like not mm-hmm. letting people out because we're afraid of them getting out and and then going to something bigger and yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. And that's I think, what happens. Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. That's that yeah. stretching. And I think that's what I think that's a big part of what happens is because our culture is so 
And I talked about this yesterday again with the dude that I had on the podcast, name's Mark Green, but he talked about the man box culture and how it's like a dominance based culture. And so much of us, especially for us men, is like, you got to do whatever it is that you got to do to get on top. You do. If you got to step on the dude beneath you, you do that. If you got to punch somebody in the face, you know, obviously metaphorically, figuratively, but you got to do that. But it, it, that's what it is. Like we're, we've just been taught this, like every man for himself motto. Yeah instead of helping each other out and collaborating, it's this every man for himself. Hey, whatever, if I got to step on this dude to get promoted or to do what I got to do, that's what I got to do. And that's why you see that, that analogy of that crab in the bucket. Like you see one crab start to crawl out and he's like, no, you ain't going nowhere. I'm gonna pull you back in. Kind of the same thing in our culture too. Like we, we, I don't know, man. Like I, I just, and it, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of self-awareness. It takes a lot of empathy and hard work to be able to get to that place as a man where you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to help this person succeed. I'm going to help this person get ahead. And I'm not, I'm not going to feel bad about it. I'm mm. not going to feel jealous. I'm not going to feel envious. Some of the, some of the best moments in my life is when I've helped, you know, somebody like accomplish something like that feels really good. Yeah. Like, yeah, of course I want to, I want a good life for myself and I want to accomplish and I want to have a good life for myself. But I don't know, for me, it honestly genuinely feels really good to help somebody else accomplish something. Like even yeah. if it's something small, like learn a new, learn a new skill or a new trick or show them something cool that might help them on down the road. Like that's a really good feeling. I get a lot of joy out of really mm -hmm. helping other people succeed. And I think, I think for the most part, our system, not to say every man is like that, but I think for the most part, our system is built that way where you just, you do whatever you need to do to get to the top and helping other people is not, is not part of that. You, you were first taught like help yourself and then, you know, and then let the other people figure it out. So where, where where did you where did that come for you like you when you talked about like the rules that you learned about being a man like mm -hmm. i i am I, I didn't have a father in my house so i learned from young yeah. men in the community where were mm -hmm. the play and you were an athlete professional athlete so you may have lots yeah. of places but where did you first begin learning these rules of of, of masculinity a of man being um, a man i mean from i mean i'm cuban so i, I grew up in a in a latino community even though even though my family my parents were a little bit more americanized they were still born in cuba they immigrated here but we were still steeped in that latino cuban machismo kind of um you know type of atmosphere so i learned it from a very young age you know from a very young age you have grandparents you have parents telling you especially if you're a little boy hey don't cry no 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 big boys don't cry you you scraped your knee no get up get up be a man shake it off shake it off Oh, you just broke your arm in 15 places. Okay, you're a boy. Sh shake it off. You'll be fine. Don't cry. Don't cry. So you learn it from a very young age. And then when you're in, so in, in, in growing up in that kind of environment, and it's not just in the Latino, I, I think it's just an overall global thing. Like we're, you know, just around the world, like you're taught when you're a man, you don't, you don't do certain things. You don't say certain things. You don't act certain ways. You don't dress certain ways. You don't do this. You don't do that. And it's just, it just limits us. Yeah. It limits us so much. It limits us so much. It cuts us off from connecting with other people. So I learned that pretty much explicitly because you hear it. Hey, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't talk about this. Don't talk about that. Yeah. You know, pink, pink toys are for girls and blue toys are for boys and all this stuff. Yeah. And then when I was in the baseball, you know, in, in the sports realm, it wasn't really explicit, but it was, it was pretty implicit. It was just like, Hey, like, you know, toughen up, suck it up. You get hit with a 95 mile per hour fastball on your shoulder and mm -hmm. your rib cage. No, don't rub it. Don't that. Well, that, okay. I'll take it back. That was an explicit thing that was said. Like in baseball, if you get hit, you're like, Hey, don't rub it. Don't rub it. Don't rub it. Shake it off. Be a man. 
And like, I remember getting hit one time, like right in the rib cage, like about a 90 something mile per hour fastball. And like, I couldn't breathe for a few seconds. And I was just, I just, I couldn't breathe. And like, I, I didn't, I don't know if anybody said anything, but usually in cases like that, people will be like, oh, don't rub it. Don't rub it. Don't be a, you know, P-U-S-S-Y. Don't rub it. Don't rub it. And it's just like things like that in that sports environment, in that Latino culture, you just, all these, all these rules of what it means to be a man are really, are really emphasized. But what's funny too, is that when you were in the clubhouse in the locker room, when it's just your teammates and you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, activity. There's a lot of actions and, and behavior that goes on in there that from the outside looking in, you know, people would be like, that's not, you know, that's not very, that's not very manly. Like what you guys are doing, you guys are like snapping each other with towels and stuff. And you guys are like all naked together. And just like that, that doesn't seem very manly of you guys. So it's like, it's weird. Like you act super macho and super manly off the field, but inside when you're in that little bubble, and you know, nobody's watching. It's just you and your teammates. You kind of let loose a little bit. And like the real, the real side of you starts to come out. But when you're out in the world, you got to be like, I'm a big, bad professional athlete. Like I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show off. I gotta peacock my feathers, you know, but mm-hmm. when you're in that safe zone, you kind of start to let kind of the same way that, you know, if you're in a men's group, you kind of like to let some of those barriers down and you kind of show, start to show, who you really are same yeah. same way same way happens in a in a baseball locker room yeah. yeah same way but for some reason we gotta hide that stuff that's well hopefully we yeah. the work that you're doing and hopefully the work that we're doing with not only these these kind of conversations but with the million mask movement hopefully we can help people to have these conversations more often to make it more yeah. common that we would the two yeah. men would get together talk about the front and the back of mask and equal terms, not like, yeah. oh, I just tell you a little bit that I'm going through, but I talked about all the cool stuff on the outside. And then, oh, by yeah. the way, oh, by the way, this one thing is happening. And then we just don't even talk about it. But to know that yeah. it's all welcome. And I think we have to find the right relationships for that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, and, and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of men out there who look at the work that we're doing and they say that it's wrong and they say that it's no, we're making our men weak. Uh, we're making them soft. We're making them this. Like, look, I'm not, I'm not arguing. I'm sure you're not arguing either. I'm not arguing to strip men of their, you know, of their their competitive nature, their tough nature, their courageous, brave, strong, all this other stuff, confident, optimistic stuff that they show on the outside. Like, no, I'm not arguing to strip men of that. What I'm arguing for is like, make it okay for us to be for us to be a little softer too, because we're always constantly have to put on this mask and put on this front. And it's exhausting, man. Yeah, It's exhausting. It's tiring to constantly have to pretend like everything is okay and pretend like we always got our stuff together and pretend like we always have the answers when deep down, we just want a day off. We just want a day mm-hmm. off to just sit on the couch and just, you know, do some of the stuff that might be considered feminine and womanly, like, you know, open up or shed a tear or, you know, talk about some feelings or some emotions or something like that, you know, make it okay to do that as well. Not take away the other stuff. The other stuff is fine. Obviously, there's some damaging stuff that comes along with that too. Yeah. But take the good, take the good, and and you know take out some of that, some of that bad. But make it okay. You know, one of the analogies that I love to bring up is there's no reason that a man can't be the dominant, strong, tall, well-built, athletic, aggressive you know, winner on the baseball field or on, you know, football field or on the basketball court or whatever it is. There's no, there's no reason a man can't be that prototypical, you know, what it means to be a man, but then also come home and be a really good dad and a really good husband 
and talk to his wife about emotions and about feelings and about some of this softer stuff and do the dishes and cook dinner and take his kids to school and, and vacuum around the house and do laundry and do some of those. Other, there's no reason that men can't do both. You know, this old 1950s thing is about, hey, I'm the man. I go home and I go out and make the bacon and uh, you're the woman. You stay home and you uh, deal with the kids and you do the laundry. That's outdated, man. Mm-hmm. That's outdated. That, that's, that's, that's in the past. And if you're stuck in that past, you're going to get left behind. Like times are changing. Culture always, always changes. And we're changing, you know, and there's no reason we can't. That's what I love about my wife and I. We're always like sometimes she'll be she'll be grabbing one of the tools out of our little you know storage and like cutting up some pieces of wood. And I'll be like, I'll be going to the grocery store and buying some flowers and like putting a nice bouquet together. I, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of that at all. I'm like, I think my wife's a badass because she knows how to use these machines and our and the tools in our house better than I do. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed because we can do that. We can switch those generals and we're totally cool with that. I think our relationship thrives because of it, because it's not just like, oh, I'm going to go home and I'm, I'm going to go out and make some money and then I'm going to go out with my boys and drink beer. You just stay home and you take care of the house and you take care of the dog mm-hmm. and you do this stuff. No, yeah. we switch back and forth with this stuff. Whatever needs to be done is done. We don't look at it as like, no, nah, that's woman's work. I, I ain't doing that. Or she just looks at it like, no, that's men's work. I'm not going to do that. No, mm-hmm. we just take on both of those roles, whatever it may be. And we help each other out. And I think our, I think our marriage thrives. One of the reasons why it thrives. Yeah. Man, man, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And thank you. Thank you for, for sharing those, those thoughts around that. Um, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I, I met Mark Green, so um, I'm excited. Oh, to nice. Like, yeah, I'm excited to like nice. hear your episode with him. And uh, Oof, it was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. Have you had him on on, on yours? Yeah, he yeah, he was yeah. in here um, maybe okay. a couple months ago. But yeah. uh, it's all, it was never enough time, you know, never enough time. I know. Oh, yeah. same thing yesterday. I was like, oh, yeah. I could talk about this stuff for hours, man. Yeah, no. yeah, but it was good. It was good. He was really insightful, really, really said some good stuff. Well, we're good. To, we're, we're doing it. We're doing it. And thank you for the work you're doing. Of you, course. Likewise, listen, man. Likewise. Tell folks how they can follow you, get in touch with you. What What are you up to? What projects you have coming up that you want to share with folks? What's the best way for them to uh, reach out or hear what you're working on? Uh yeah, Instagram is the best way. Uh, Clopey, C-L-O-P-E-Y. Lopey is kind of like my nickname in baseball and then C just for, for my first name. I, it's so funny because I came up when I first signed up for Instagram, I don't know, 10 years ago or whenever that was. Um, I was like thinking of a name and I was like, oh, Clopey, C. Lopey sounds good. And now some people, like some people, like some of my friends, you know, wives or some of my wives' friends that I've met. Be like, oh, how's Clopey doing? Like, they won't even call me Christian. They'll be like, how's Clopey? I'm like, that's that's great. That's awesome. So, yeah, Clopey, C-L-O-P-E-Y on Instagram. That's probably the best. Um, okay. The podcast is Behind the Masculinity, M-A-S-K-U-L-I-N-I-T-Y. You can check that out, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And then there's also a, a Facebook, little Facebook community around that same name as well. Trying to be more active there, but I said, uh, like I said, with work, just being been really busy. But yeah, if you want to connect with me on either one of those, please. I love to have, I love to have these conversations. As you can see, I love to talk about this stuff because it's helped me immensely in my life over the last three or four years. Even my wife tells me, it's like, babe, you've changed. Like the the man that I met for, to the man that I met now is like like night and day, and in a good way, you know, in a good way. Like I've matured, I've grown into my own. I'm no longer throw these little fits, you know, temper tantrums, like you said, where I thought I was angry. I wasn't angry. I was, I was scared. I was hurt. I was insecure. I was lost. I was so many other things, but the only way I knew how to express it was through anger because I'm a man. And as a man, it's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to be insecure. 
yeah. and to be shamed and and all this stuff so yeah. so yeah man i love talking about this stuff thank you shanti for what you do again part of the reason why i started open up about this stuff is because i watched the mass you live in and it i cried multiple times watching that multiple times i cried watching that and it was it was beautiful and the work that you're doing with young men in the community with young people in the community is amazing but especially especially for us young men because we're taught from from a very young age hey it's not cool to talk about emotions but i call bs uh, i call bs from the from the mountaintops on that like it's yeah. it's more than okay it's vital for us to open up about those emotions and those feelings that we're feeling deep down you didn't said it you got it and i think and i'll tell you this long story so you know uh when i was at the screening at uh sundance like park city utah caroline hellman is sitting right here next to me and uh i'm watching it for the first time and i'm i'm starting to cry right and i know that i can't I, I was my, my my intuition was to wipe my eye with this arm, but I knew that if I wipe my eye with this arm, she would notice it. So I was like trying to like turn my head like this so I could <laughs> wipe my eye. <laughs> in the documentary, The Mask You Live In, I'm trying oh, to pretend man. like I'm not feeling it so I don't want her to know. So I'm like trying to trying to like kind of get my eye wiped off. That's, Dude, that's not, I, 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 first time I went to go see uh, <laughs> Titanic in the movie theater, it made me cry. And I forgot who I was with, but whoever I was with, I kind of like leaned back a little bit like this so they wouldn't see me. And I was just like, <laughs> like, no, Leo, come on, you can't die, Leo. Come on, Leo. Come on, Leo. Get up on that. Get up on that rap. But yeah, but now, oh, oh now, man. like, I let them, I let them flow for anything. Oh. Even a sappy commercial on TV. <laughs> Um, the last time I really remember doing it was the, uh, documentary of, um, Mr. Rogers. Oof. Mm. Saw that in the movie theater. Oof. My wife and I both were just crying like babies. Just oh, like, just, uh, cause what a, what a, what a dude to aspire to be like right there. Man. That's so powerful. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you have someone on your team who lets you have the fullness of all of your experience. Sure. That's Absolutely. it. Man. Well, Christian, thank you. Slow Clopey. Christian yeah. Lopez, thank you for being. We'll, we'll put we'll put links to all of your stuff okay. in the in the cool. show notes. Thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. Looking forward to more connection. I look forward to more Absolutely. connection. Likewise, uh, and keep doing the amazing work you're doing, brother. You too, man. You too. Right. I love it. I'm I'm in your corner, man. All day, every day. Same here. Take care of yourself. Be well. Yeah, man. All right. what you heard today you enjoyed if you've listened to this and you found something inspiring please like and subscribe this podcast that's the best way for someone to uh, find this podcast maybe like you did um, please tell someone about it if you know listen to some of our previous episodes and if one of them rings out to you please share it with somebody you know um, we also invite people to join us in a face-to-face where they come together with another person to make a mask and talk about that mask together there's short conversations, about 20, 30 minutes. So if that's something that's interesting to you, please uh, send us a message, send us a, in the comments below, let us know that you're interested in that. And we look forward to you joining the movement of the Million Mask Movement. And check out our new shirt. I don't know if you, how you can, if you can see it, but this is our new shirt, the Million Mask Movement. And so uh, we'll have these soon available, uh, but we look forward to you being a part of the movement and supporting our work. Uh, please consider supporting the work that we do in Ever Forward and in the work that we do in the Million Mask Movement to let people around the world realize that they're not alone. Thank you.